Westover, if you have your Bibles, I invite you to join me in the book of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse uh, 16, 17, and 18. We're going to begin a, a new series this weekend. We're going to be through this month and into uh, November uh, for about seven weeks on this theme, gratitude in everything give thanks. In everything give thanks. If you've been, ever been asked the question, how are you doing you would answer that question the same if somebody asked, how are things going? How are things circum? How are things going? How are you doing? In other words, we often equate circumstances to our own personal well-being. Now, that's not the way the Scripture teaches us. But I'm going I'm to challenge us over the next few weeks to break away from letting circumstances control how we are doing through gratitude in everything give thanks. Have you ever noticed today in, in a text or email or on Facebook they have all these emojis, you know, and you pick one on how you feel about it to express your mood, your attitude. For example, if you, if you think about life, you said life is, and for some it would be a smile. In other words, the person is happy. I'm happy in life. And they'll put a smile emoji. But if, if you're sad in life, if life is not good for you, the moment you put the, the sad emoji on, you say, oh, things are not going too well for them or for yourself. Perhaps you're in love. If you met that perfect person, that perfect person, you might express it this way. And then, of course, there might be somebody that's mad. I'm upset. Yes, had one just leave the room right now. <laughs> upset. Uh, this is my emoji. I don't like the way things are going. Perhaps a broken heart. Somebody let you down. Somebody, was, somebody walked out on you. Somebody you, you, you had great trust with turned on you. I ask you the question rhetorically, which emoji would you choose today? Would you choose it based upon circumstances? I, I, I hope through this series we'll be able to break away from circumstantial uh, d uh, things uh, defining who we are. I've discovered in life a bad mood can create a sad dude <laughs> and it can lead to a family feud you know what I'm talking about you start off by things are not going well and then all of a sudden you're down and then all of a sudden it's in the family and you chase it back have you ever had to apologize you know something happened in the family or was a feud or an argument you had and you go but you know I just I just was I just was in a bad mood and it goes all the way through well, Scripture teaches us to live different. With that in mind, I'm going to invite you to go with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse number 16 through 18. Now, in your Bible, you're going to notice this. This is all one statement. We often read these as three propositions. They're not. It's all one running sentence. In other words, you, you, you get one by getting the other. It's a continuation in thought. Let's... Let's look at this. Verse 16, rejoice always, not just when you get a payday. Rejoice always. Rejoice even when you don't like things. Rejoice it even when your brother-in-law has, has upset you. Rejoice always, even when your mother-in-law comes over for a few days. Rejoice always. 
Then if you can rejoice, then the next thing is that pray continually. The inference is that our prayer, our spiritual life is impacted by our, our decision to rejoice. The first is a choice. The second is a consequence. Your spiritual life will be impacted. Pray continually. The thought, the thought goes on. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. In every circumstance, in every situation, whether you like it, I like it, whether it's good, whether it's fair weather, whether we appreciate it or don't appreciate it, whether it upsets us, doesn't matter. In every circumstances, it's God's will. It's God's will that you give thanks. Well, how am I going to give thanks for stuff I don't like? Back up. You do it because you pray. Well, well how, how, can I, how can I keep myself zoned in on prayer? You have to make the choice that it's not going to be circumstances that choose your mood. It's not how things are going. You make the decision that you're not going to hold on to the hurts and the disappointments of life. This morning, I'm going to talk about how to unload unhappiness. Now, in the app, the message notes, there are three points. I'm going to cover one point today. Point two and point three next weekend. But I want to talk to you about, about unloading unhappiness. Some of us, our emoji would be a frown. Some of it would be a broken heart. Some of it would be you, you, you feel like somebody stabbed you in the back. But I'm going to, I'm going to suggest to us, Scripture is going to suggest to us that we can unload unhappiness. How do you do that? You unload unhappiness in life, you have to learn to forgive others. If you're going to be happy in life, if you're going to have a, an attitude of gratitude, we have to be able to forgive others. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, verse number 12, in what we call the Lord's Prayer, Jesus says, And forgive us our debts, our trespasses, our sins, as we also, as we also have forgiven our debtors. God forgive us as we also have forgiven others. Now what's interesting about verse number 12 and verse number 11, the verse right before that, Jesus is going to pray this prayer along in there. He's going to say, And give us this day our daily bread. And then he starts verse number 12 with saying, and, and to forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. How often do we forgive? We ask forgiveness and do we forgive? Go back to verse number 11. Daily, just as you take in daily, daily nourishment on the same level and at the same pace, you have to also ask for forgiveness and give forgiveness. We think sometimes forgiveness is a one-time thing, but Jesus is going to teach us that we must do it daily. Do people bother you? Now, some of you, you've already got names you're coming up with right now. Yeah, there are names coming. Do people bother you? Yes. When you get on 1604 tomorrow, there's going to be people, you're going to say, they are crazy. Yes, absolutely. Uh, when we're in the car, if you get in the left lane and go slow, Denise is not praying for you if you're in front of her. I'm in the car with her. I hear what she says. She's, she, 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 she's not blessing you at that moment. Do people bother you? There are people that can push your button, right? 
You work with somebody that can push your button. Do you have do you have a do you have a teenager that can just push your button, huh? You know what I'm talking about? Others, do they bother you? Have you ever noticed the word bother has the word others in it? It's most of the word. Just take the word other and put a B in front of it. People bother you, even in the church. Yes, you talking about in a life group and in a place of worship? Absolutely. People bother you. You folks chose to sit over here because you don't like some of the folks over there. But let me tell you, they're happy you moved so they didn't have to. <laughs> yeah. To live above with saints we love, that will be glory. But to live below with saints we know, that's another story. Yeah. People bother us. People, people get under our skin. Can I tell you, there is no repellent that you can buy to get rid of people that bug you. Don't you wish you could get a can of off and it spray yourself and people would get off your back? People would get off your case. They would get off of your nerves, you know. Don't you wish you could just go down and for $2.99 spread and go to work tomorrow and people would be off your back and off your case. There is no repellent to get people from bugging you. It just happens. It just occurs in life. Occasionally you'll hear a story of somebody that's, that's hoarding things and garbage and debris they keep in their house and you've seen some of the television cameras sometimes go in as an investigation or reality show or whatever the case and it's just stacked up just you think why do they hold on to that stuff i pastored a few decades and let me tell you what i've discovered people hold on to hurts people hold on to pain people hold on to conflict people hold on to grievances People hold on to rejection. Oh, yes. There's people who a date or a name or a word just conjures up this horrible experience in their life, a date that they remember. They, they forget. They have to remember some of the birthday of some people they think of, but they remember the date that it, the divorce was finaled or somebody walked out on a bankruptcy or a or somebody betrayed them. They, that date or that name or that person or that situation is so, is so raw in their life because the hurt is so deep. And can I tell you, God intends that we take the debris and the hurt and the conflicts and go out to his dumpster and put it in and say, God, by your grace, take it away. I'm talking about, I'm talking about forgiving some stuff. How often do you do it daily? Daily, if we're going to have happiness, we need to learn to unload unhappiness. Unload unhappiness. Well, we have our strong family conference coming up in a few days. So let me bring this down to, to families for a moment. Can I? Let me just, before I lead us in prayer in just a few moments, I, I'm going to bring this application down to families, marriages, homes. It was Billy Graham's wife, Ruth Graham Bell, that said, that said in, in, in order to have a good marriage, you have to have two forgivers. Two forgivers. Good advice. Good advice. I tell couples all the time, you know, they, they say, this is, this is our song. 
when this music comes with this is the song we dance to at our wedding or this song takes us back in a nostalgic moment when we fell in love it was during this song that I proposed it was during the this song is our song and it just takes us back and it just becomes the our love theme can I tell you every one of you every marriage every family this ought to be your theme song it was given to us by Disney in the movie frozen let it go <laughs> my grandchildren walk through the house all the time and she she loves that little Disney she sings it let it go let it go let it go that's what you ought to be singing that's the song that will keep your marriage together oh as a pastor I've married many couples they stood there, and I always ask them, will you love, honor, and cherish? I, I ought to add forgive to that. Will you love, honor, cherish, and forgive as long as you both shall live? That will strengthen your marriage. Yeah. Let me bring it down to this for marriages for real quickly. Three advice, three, three words of advice on forgiving in a marriage. Number one, number one. Don't wait for an apology. Some of you are doing that. Some of you are saying, when he apologizes, you don't have to wait for an apology. God never intends for us to be held hostage by somebody else's mood or calendar. You know, that's a beautiful thing about a forgiveness. You don't have to have an apology in order to give forgiveness. And I'm speaking to somebody in the room. You've waited and you're holding out and... You're only hurting yourself. You're only hurting yourself. Go ahead and, and give that. Give forgiveness. You don't have to have an apology. Number two, when an apology comes, accept it. Yeah. There's, there's something about, about pain and hurt. That sometimes that we feel like apology is not a big enough payment to free us emotionally. In 2 Corinthians chapter 2, I'm just going to reference it, verse number 7 through 11, the, the New Testament talks about forgiveness. Over and over again, it says, forgive, 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 or forgive. And about verse number 8 or 9, it talks about, and the punishment will stop. Forgiveness allows the punishment to stop. Not punishing them and not punishing yourself. You see, when... I hold on to unforgiveness. The person I punish is me. Yes, I punish myself. So don't wait for an apology. You can forgive. If an apology is given, accept it. And number three, right before we pray, separate facts and feelings. Separate in your marriage, separate facts and feelings. Well, what do you mean, Pastor? It's very easy, it's very easy to take facts and add feelings to them. And we've got to, if we're gonna have a if we're gonna have a healthy marriage, separate fact and feelings. What, what do you mean? Well, just because the person does it slow does not mean they're doing it to irritate you. Well, it feels like they're doing it to irritate me. That's how it feels. The fact is they're just doing it slower than you want. We, we sometimes take facts and we add our feelings to it. 
Let me give you an example. Give you an example. Denise and I, I, I'm not an information person. I don't need a lot of information. Denise, Denise needs a lot of information. I don't need it, okay? Uh, she can ask me a question. Well, how'd the day go? Good. <laughs> I've described the day. The whole day. That's not enough for her. Well, what did you do? Well, I went to the office. What did you do in the office? I sat down in my office. <laughs> well, what did you do? I, I read some of the Bible. Oh, what did you do? I, I worked on a sermon. Well, what did you do? I talked to, well, who did you talk to? Well, I talked to, what did you talk about? This and that. And, I, and, it, and it can, the fact is, she needs information. It can feel like she's smothering me. Okay? It can feel that, but that's not the fact. The fact is she needs information, but it can feel like she's smothering me. Separate fact and feeling. I don't need a lot of information. Denise needs a lot of information. So, uh, how'd your day go today? And uh, she said, well, I, it went fine. That's all I need to know. <laughs> You're alive? The day's over? There's nothing more to talk about, okay? No. I, I'm not. She wants to know details. That makes her feel connected. That makes her, I don't need it. I don't say, and what did you do? I went to the grocery store. <gasps> Which one? H-E-B. Oh, which aisle did you go down? Which ones? Cheese. Oh, what kind of cheese? Pepper Jack, Cheddar, Amara. Oh, Cheddar Cheese. Brilliant. Brilliant. Did you get the little slices individually wrapped or did you buy the whole thing? I don't need to know any of that. That doesn't do anything for me, okay? But the more information Denise has, that for her, that... That that's, makes her feel that makes her feel connected. I can't take facts and mixed feelings. I can't the fact that she wants more information. I can't add my feelings of or it. If I tell her, then don't ask me for information. Here's what I'm telling her: quit being yourself. And she can't do that. So. Uh, don't wait for an apology. If an apology comes, accept it. Separate fact and feeling. And let me bring it down to this before we pray. Unforgiveness always looks back. Forgiveness will always look forward. Forgiveness will look forward. It can rejoice because the circumstances of the past it's not holding on to it. It's not, it's not punishing from the past. It's not living, regurgitating the past. It's looking forward to the future. If, if, I, if I always talk about the past in every discussion, well, you know, you did, and you are always, and you never, and it always does, and you never can, 
if I'm talking about the past, I'm, I'm not exercising forgiveness. And unforgiveness, unforgiveness just, just begins to become a toxic mess inside of our minds and our hearts. It messes us up. And it, it allows us to not reach in the future for happiness because we haven't unloaded the unhappiness of the past. So you've got to learn to forgive. And I'm going to lead us in prayer in just a moment. And there are people in this room, you need to forgive. You need to forgive. And the Lord laid on my heart for this weekend, if you'll forgive, then peace can come into your life. Some of you don't have peace because you haven't been able to forgive. And unforgiveness is occupying a place in your life that God's peace can't get in. He wants to bring His peace. You must forgive. Unload your unhappiness. Yes. And I, I want to direct you in prayer. There are some people in this room, you're going to have to forgive what I'm going to call an invisible person. An invisible person. It's a person you can't sit across the table from. It's a person you can't call right now. It's a person you can't talk to. It's a person you can't resolve. It's a person that there's no connection or maybe that person is, is, is the ultimate invisible person. You don't know who it is. What am I talking about? There's some of us, some of you, perhaps you were, perhaps you were given up at birth by a, your birth mother. And that's an unresolved conflict. That, that has felt like rejection your entire life. You don't know who she is. You don't know the circumstances. Forgive that invisible person. For you see, it's kept you, it's kept you imprisoned, second-guessing yourself. You have devalued yourself for years, and God never intends that. God wants you to rejoice always. And you hear that, you say, I would, but... And you go back to this defining moment. For some, it's a label. Oh, it came out in the playground as kids, and you were labeled and called that. You really don't know where it came and who it was, but you've lived in that, and you've, you, you have defined yourself by that, and that hurts. That hurts so much. The, the shape of your ears or the size of your shoe or the, the waistline or something, something has, and, and that, that tease, that, that insult has wounded your spirit. You need to forgive that invisible person. Ladies, is there an abuser in your past? Was there somebody that, that didn't respect the boundaries? that hurt you, that, that did the, some unspeakable thing, should have never happened, and there's no way you can resolve that, there's no way you can settle that. You can forgive. Doesn't mean you forget, it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't mean you justify, doesn't, doesn't mean you accept it. It means that you free yourself. You free yourself. Forgive that invisible person for some it's parents maybe your parents are deceased or it's not in a moment you can have that 
that adult conversation but you realize the way they raised you just you didn't get a healthy definition of family love and and you're paying the price of it today in your marriage yes divorcee are you in that second third marriage still trying to find the person to make you perfect and complete perhaps you're looking for the invisible person maybe you just need to forgive to release it and let it go so you can right now in your life today begin to rejoice and in your circumstances say God I thank you for the marriage I'm in now that's what verse number 18 means I thank you for the marriage I'm in now not the one I want or the one I'm looking for or the some other person in your heart wandering to be thankful in the job you're in now to be thankful for what God is doing in your life now that's what it means in, in everything give thanks doesn't mean you like it doesn't mean it's perfect it means you see good in it and you can celebrate that God's taking you into a better future